There's a spectrum, right? You can go this way or that way, but, but there's a happy medium in there somewhere for a while. We want to see families within the bounds of their own properties wrangle in the food, water, shelter, and surplus aspect of being alive. Hello, and welcome to the Permaculture Vine podcast. My name is Cormac Harkin, and today we have Jamin Misilovich. Sorry for butchering that. <laughs> welcome, Jason. Jamin. Good to be here. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> uh, uh, could you just give us a quick introduction as to who you are, please? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you didn't butcher it too bad. My name's Jamin Mishlevich. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I just. Uh, I mean, I'm really just an average Joe doing the, doing what I can to to make things move. Um, I was originally born on a three acre homestead and and uh, just kind of raised from a basis of what self sufficiency was. My parents, around nine years old, ended up losing the farm and it kind of pushed me into this mode where I had to learn to do things myself. So I was always raised as kind of a DIYer. Um, ended up getting into business with landscaping, uh, construction, started doing a lot with uh, any, really anything that I could with my hands, mechanics. I was a firefighter for a volunteer firefighter for four years in Evanston, Wyoming. And after, after a little while of realizing what was going on in the world, I just decided that we needed to make a change. And I had a mentor once that taught me that if you want change, you must change. And so I started to get into the community and I formed an organization called TIAG, which stands for the Independent American Gardener. Um, and with uh, with my experience in landscaping and, and homesteading in general, I started to blend the two and found permaculture. And so long story short, now we have three organizations that all work collaboratively to support families towards self-sufficiency. That's great stuff. Uh, a, lot, a, lot, a lot to cover there. So you have the yeah yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you want to just tell uh, take us to when you first sort of heard the term permaculture? How do you discovered it? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was actually about sixteen, and I was just out in the in the garden, and I was actually just out of a, a heartbreak. And and for me, nature was kind of my place of getting away from things. I was a young sixteen year old kid with a heartbreak, and so I was out in the mountains and trying to get my hands in the ground. And I come home that day and I found the garden and, and started to just kind of tend to the soil a little bit and do something with my mind, you know. And and one thing led to another. I started realizing how this garden was not like the mountains. There was no self-sufficiency. The plants were dying. If I didn't water it, it would it would kill away. So I started getting into regenerative agriculture and regenerative gardening methods. And that kind of led me upon the word permaculture just through a Google search. And then I YouTube rabbit hole right <laughs> and uh, i just started becoming really enveloped with the whole philosophy of what permaculture design is and how it works in in you know, earth care people care and future care and just combines all these elements into kind of one unit and and you know being raised as, a, as kind of a jack of all trades having my hands in so many different places permaculture felt like it kind of connected them all like it offered me the opportunity to to take all the diversified areas of my life and put them into one place and so that's really where I kind of hit the ground running and started researching it. It wasn't until I was about maybe 19, 20, that I started looking into getting certified. And I went through Verge Permaculture for my PDC so that I could begin to work with an organization that I felt like mimicked my paradigm and my my principles, right? Because you can get into permaculture and you find some some weird stuff <laughs> from time <laughs> to time. And so I did a lot of research a lot, over a lot of years to find the right organization. And now we partner with Verge, and, and uh, I, I've connected several times with Rob Davis out there in Canada and went out to see him in person and 
And uh, we're now using that same education and, and our collaboration with them to support other families across the country. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm. One of the things I find out is all about making them connections and find finding the ones uh, that that you sort of tie in with because I there's a lot of yeah. people hijack a lot of the permaculture stuff. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some there's some stuff that you don't really want to get into when you start looking into permaculture. There's a spectrum, right? You can go this way or that way, but but there's a happy medium in there somewhere for a lot of people yeah. to find, and that often comes through collaboration. Uh, you just find your tribe, find your people. That's right. That's uh, right. So your PDC reverged. Do you want to tell us about that? What, how was that? Uh, the online PDC? It was, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I did a lot of different things throughout my life, just hands-on, but, but when it came time to certify, I was actually mobile. And we uh, we moved out to the Midwest. I'm in the Rocky Mountains today uh, for some client work, but the uh, the PDC needed to be online. So I started looking into online. That's when I found Verge. And so we ended up going through them. Yeah. I think we've had a few guests on through the Verge PDC. Yeah. Um, yeah, I believe I believe my PDC was one of the first that they launched from their physical uh, after the COVID rush of things. And they kind of transitioned into to doing it online and, and I picked up in their first session. Yeah. So you said you were a landscaper before the the, the PDC. I was. Um, yeah, I did a lot of desert landscape. Desert, very good. And uh, how how did your view on the landscaping business uh, change once you done the PDC? Oh man, substantially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a there's something that you notice when you're in landscaping is that it's all about almost commanding and dominating nature. It's not really about working with it. It's about almost scraping it barren and then putting in what we want. You know, as a, as a landscaper, you're, you're talking about plastic synthetics and, you know, pesticide this and herbicide that with the PDC and going through education in that regard, it, it kind of opens your ideas to what's possible in an alternative. You don't have to go that route. And most people, I think, get locked into that idea that there's really only one way to do it. And that's not true because nature's been doing it all around the globe for decades, right? Eons. So we just have to shift your paradigm a little bit and get more into letting nature do what it wants to do and then guide it a little bit. Yeah. And I'm sure then uh, I take it you were self-employed landscaper, were you? I was. Yeah. Yeah. I had several jobs where I was employed, um, but then I started doing my own regenerative landscaping business. Right. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. That was up in Evanston, Wyoming. Um Really, that was low low key landscaping. It wasn't quite like we do out here in in I'm in southern Utah right now in St. George. This is an employment out here where we did a lot of irrigation. When I moved out into Evanston, Wyoming, we started to get into doing urban landscaping, um, perennial shrubs, and incorporating different ground covers that were already thriving and alive in the area so using native species, um, and then just trying to change the paradigm a little bit, get rid of the grass and the things that cost money to maintain, and importing things that are a little bit more self sufficient. Yeah, and uh, so just as a so someone coming out of a PDC, would you recommend becoming a landscaper or that sort of get into that that sort of not at all? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I I learned a lot in landscaping, but really, um, I think I had the most education and the most really drive and just passion for what I was doing when I stopped listening to the landscapers. Um, you know, taking that education was nice because I kind of have a little bit of a, the language, but but really the actual application of being a gardener, being a homesteader and actually getting your hands in the dirt yourself and learning about how mycorrhizal fungi works and, you know, going through the network of your own mulch, that's where it matters. And, and landscapers kind of, 
you know, unless you find a regenerative landscaper that you can work with, the traditional concept here is that it's going to be very much remove what exists and import what I want. And that's not the way that we can create a self-sustaining system. So I don't recommend getting becoming a landscaper. Rather, I'd, I'd recommend becoming a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's good. Good, uh, a good perspective on it. Uh, so we try to sort of showcase different people in the way they work within, yeah, the, definitely. within permaculture. So then your landscape and your PDC, you have a homesteading background as well. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. My homesteading background started when I was um, just fresh out of the womb. Actually, my parents bought a little three acre homestead in in, uh, in northern Utah. And we I was raised there until I was about nine years old. And and about nine years old, my parents actually went bankrupt and we lost the farm. And I ended up getting kind of moved through several different cities and several different states, lived in Ever Evanston, Wyoming. Um, for five years, was in Arizona for two and was in St. George, Southern Utah for three and then uh, Cedar City for 12. You know, I went out to California for a little while and just just kind of bounced all over. And in my moving around, I was always drawn to farms and to local agricultural experts. And so I'd always go and network with them. And I had a few different uh, just kind of hand jobs, farm hands, and I'd put up fencing and just handle the cattle, different things like that. But um, now we're out here in, in the Midwest and we're establishing what we call the hub project. Um, the hub project is a self-sustaining permaculture farm that operates as a central location to demonstrate what permaculture design is. Um, we just secured the parcel earlier last year, and now this year we're finally moving forward with implementing some of our design concepts and, and getting that launched out to the public so we can show folks proof of concept. Um, and that's kind of where we're at now is, is just trying to work. This is a 16-acre property in a totally different climate than we get here in the desert I'm talking to you from. But um, a little bit diverse in, in what I have and haven't had my hands on. So what kind of stuff are you doing at the hub? Well, we want to focus a lot on on passive agriculture systems. So, for example, putting something in and leaving it alone and seeing how it thrives. Um, I don't remember who it was that came up with the, the concept. He calls it the stun method. Does that ring a bell? A bell? Yeah. The stun method. I think he's, I think it stands for sudden, total, utter neglect. <laughs> it's uh, uh, Sam Holzer, is it? It might be. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's very, very good at what he does. Um, his concept is basically putting it in the ground um, when the conditions are right for that species. And then you should be able to walk away from it and have it survive and thrive and, and be productive for you. And so we were trying to implement a similar model. I don't know that I necessarily like the stun word. I feel like it maybe <laughs> isn't the right one to go with. That's a bit, a bit brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but agroforestry, silvopasture and, and a lot of passive solar greenhouse talk going on now we're thinking about putting in some tiny home units with some passive solar greenhouses coming off the side um individual food forests attached to each unit and then just an overall collaboration between every element on the property so that it can become kind of a central location for folks to see it with their own hands and then go home and duplicate it at their own location right and where's that located again sorry that's in northern missouri right so uh you get all your uh, your range of travel, which is quite large. Then. Oh man, I'm all over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last last year we spent we spent about well, it was when, it wasn't just last year, a little bit before that too. It was about a year and a half on the road, and we covered over thirty four thousand miles traveling to different states. We hit uh, events in twenty four different locations. We went up to northern Alberta and uh, hung out with Rob Davis up there for a little bit. And then uh, we went all the way up to New York and then all the way down to Orange County, California. Like I've been all over helping families everywhere we can. That's great. Uh, it's great to hear. 
Sorry, there's not much information coming at me. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> it's hardly processing all this. It's like, right, we'll go here, go there. Uh, so yeah, back, yeah. To, uh, back to the greenhouses, uh, is that the tie on my birds? Because I see they have, a, they, have a, they have a course coming up, don't they? The Passive Greenhouse course. They do, yeah. We're, we haven't quite reached out to them yet, but we're talking about having them consult with us to get that greenhouse built as a kind of another location where they can demonstrate their design systems because they really do have a good grip on that. Yeah, I'm not, I was I'm going to try and do that. I take at least ten in the webinar anyway. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. But I was saying before, it's very hard, and when you're trying to learn stuff, it's it's like, uh, what do you pick? <laughs> so mm -hmm. what's what <laughs> what drives your sort of focus, and what what kind of stuff you select to do? Sure. Yeah. We well, my we have, we have what we call the four pillars of self sufficiency. So if you look around at what's going on in the world, families get their water from the municipalities. They get their food from shipping and freight. They get their surplus imported from other states or other countries. Like everything is, is fragile. And so we want to see families that within the bounds of their own properties, wrangle in the food, water, shelter, and surplus aspect of being alive at the very foundational pillars of existing and self-sufficiency, food, water, shelter, and surplus. And so what we're doing running around the country and helping and, you know, up to Canada and all these things that we, we do with, with families and communities is we're trying to develop and fine tune and, and actually physically, you know, hands on in the dirt launch real permaculture communities in existing infrastructure in neighborhoods that are already up in cities that are already doing things. We just want to change the paradigm and get people to actually get out there and make this happen for themselves so that they're, you know, whether you're grid tied or not, doesn't matter, but you shouldn't be grid dependent, right? We should have that level of freedom and self-sufficiency where we we don't depend on somebody giving what we need to us. We can provide it for ourselves. And then whatever we get excess of that is just cherries. Yeah. So what 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 kind of challenges are you getting there? Is it the uh so the change of infrastructure or the change of mindset or both? Yeah. <laughs> Mostly mindset, to be honest with you. We have, when we do our events, with the largest event we had was out in Idaho, and we had 65 people come out to that event. And, you know, we do, we do a workshop and, and split up between a, a seminar style and a hands-on implementation, right? So we teach a little bit, and then we go outside and we demonstrate it. The teaching aspect, a lot of people are like, oh, I already know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, you know, I, I already know what gardening is. And, you know, oh, I've heard permaculture before, but, but uh, you know, it's just gardening. And it's not. Permaculture is not garden. Permaculture isn't even regenerative agriculture. You know, it's rooted in those things. It's a pillar of it. But permaculture is a design science. It encompasses tons and tons of topics, right? And so as a design science, we try to educate first and say, okay, here's here's the, the paradigm that we operate from traditionally in society. And here's the redundancy built in regenerative paradigm where everything is contributing to another and we're all sustaining each other in this in this greater mission this greater cause and network and so trying to shift people out of the self-preservation mode and into the you know community preservation mode that's been a big one um a big challenge for us but nine times out of ten by the end of the event uh people are really gathering the idea of what it means to have a neighbor you can rely on and they really sink into that we've had folks crying at events thanking us for how good it's been um and really Frankly, I think they're looking for answers. And so once you once you say the right thing, somebody kind of grabs onto that and says, "Oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for." And and then you kind of it kind of puts the walls down, right? And the paradigm begins to shift. But that's been a big piece of the equation. Right. And then you say that the that shift to on the community mindset. Um 
how does that operate in practice? Does it uh, is it about uh, creating your own abundance and sharing it, or does it uh, no governance models and communities? Does that start to get bogged down in that kind of stuff, or is it yeah? Is it how, how does it work in practice? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So um, the way that we kind of look at it is it's a whole community approach to family self sufficiency, right? So you got to plant trees in your own yard. You got to get your own rain catch system. You know, you got to do those things. But it's a whole community effort. It's we do what's called TIAG community workshops. And so those TIAG workshops will go to one family's home and we'll bring everybody together and build up that home. Then we'll go to the next home, bring everybody together and build up that one. So it's a whole community effort to the family self-sufficiency levels. Now, there is some infrastructure in this and some legalities and things that we have to tackle, especially in a place like this. I'm over here in St. George, Utah, and that's, there's a lot of false paradigms in the way that infrastructure works across America. Um, for example, just recently, they were paying landscapers to remove organic grasses and put in synthetic plastic <laughs> instead <laughs> um, oh. under the, the gut. <laughs> The guys of trying to preserve water, right? And so I get what they're coming from, right? And we gotta we gotta try to meet their language, but we need to shift that a little bit. You see what I'm saying? And so there is some kind of a multi-level approach, but it is based around community. Yeah, back to the, the synthetic grass. Like, have you seen the heat differentials? The and like, if that's a sunny place and it's dry, yeah, it must yeah, be it kind you, of mind-boggling. Yeah, you could. <laughs> how can you stand on it? <clears throat> no, no. Uh, but hey, they don't have to mow, right? So, <laughs> I, uh, whatever their draw is, yeah. So that's just uh, the wrong way to cover up nature. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I I'm just referencing that because uh the the governance side of it. I've just I've just done a social permaculture course there for three days, which is quite oh, awesome. interesting. Um, and it, it, no, for me that it's positive if you have the time to consider every single person that is fantastic mm -hmm. but quite often you don't and i for one get fed up with things like that when when things are decision by committee i like that model that you sort out the family first and then you you sort of build them natural bridges which is yep. a natural connections which i think is a, is a good model to demonstrate and that, would you call that tag what's that stand for yeah so tag is a abbreviation for um or an acronym for the independent American gardener. And, and yeah, we're not, we're not trying to, you know, do something new. This isn't a new concept, right? Permaculture has been around for a while and it's not just permaculture, you know, gardening in general has been around for a while. Um, I think really what we're, we're trying to push and trying to get people to understand and run with is the concept of how the independent American gardener of the olden days used to be self-sufficient they used to have their own food they you know, where do you think food came from before agriculture started up right um and now today we're so based in importing things that it's become dangerous to not only our own health but also to freedom in general and in order to maintain that liberty of the family unit itself and preserve the family itself it really does come down to what the independent american gardener is doing in their backyard yeah and if you're gardening yourself you're taking the pressure off your community so you're actually doing Absolutely. quite a service um, I always find it funny when I started gardening and growing food. Uh, my my parents would say, "Oh, my 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 parents, uh, used to grow food, used to keep pigs," and it's like like that. It only took two generations, and it was right. gone. <laughs> yeah, and now, now yeah, when people are starting to do it again, it's like uh, so much no sign of wealth. I don't need to garden; I can just go buy it. Yeah, and the yeah, I saw boss, this. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was gonna say, I just, I saw this post just recently on somebody in our community had shared, I think they got it off of Facebook or something. And it said, um, you know, we used to complain all the time at how we were born in this generation. We would have loved to be born back then, but actually I think we were born in this generation to keep the old ways alive. Uh, and I think yeah. that's the way to look at this. <laughs> yeah, no, for definite. And then, so how do you, uh, how does that work in practice from, so do you reach out to communities? Do they reach out to you? How, how do you get in, uh, how do communities get involved with you? Yeah, a little bit of both. We have more work than we can keep up with. Um, <laughs> the way that the way that this works, generally speaking, is we have sites that we want to visit to expand our own education, or we have um, somebody that's in our network who really has loved the mission and the and the the movement that we're on, and has wanted us to be out there for a while. So based on those two aspects, we'll choose if we're going to reach out to that person or or reach out to that area. Um, and then head that way. And we kind of put it through a little bit of an event schedule and say, okay, here's here's our travel route so that we can hit the best locations, make the best use of our time. Um, and then other times people like just right now, the reason I'm out here is because somebody reached out to me and said, hey, we'd like you to come out this way. And so they're flying me out this way. And so things are are kind of all over the board. Um, we, you know, we're, we're a small family business, but we have a whole big organization developing here with with kind of a, a broader vision than than just one person can manage, right? And we got a team now of six individuals and we're expanding our collaborations even further than that. Um, but it's all started with just me and my family in a camper. And we were traveling and teaching permaculture all over the country and sharing online what we were doing. And just more people would come and follow through the comments or see us in person, give us an email, whatever it may be. And we just kind of follow that wherever it led us. That's great. Do you want me to tell me more about that? Because that's fascinating. So you basically love the nomadic lifestyle. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so our first kickoff was we had a little property we call an urban property out there in Missouri. We called Lulu's Garden, and Lulu's Garden was just a 0.87 acre urban house, and we were going to develop it into a food forest and demonstrate urban permaculture. But then we got the whiff of inspiration, and we said, you know what? This isn't good enough. We need to reach more people. So we actually sold our home and our property and use the funds to purchase a camper and then we went on the road for a year and a half i got i got five boys and my wife was pregnant and we had a husky and we had a little <laughs> little 36 foot camper behind a an f-150 <laughs> uh. and uh we went all around the country went up to new york um, michigan we went down through tennessee um north and south carolina then across this way all the way out to orange county california and back again we did four figure eights around the country and then we zipped up to the northern Alberta. And that whole time we were doing this, we were making pit stops at events and workshops and teaching and, you know, doing recording videos. We'd visit somewhere we felt like held a, a gym for, per, for education, like, you know, a little golden nugget in this area. And we're like, oh, we need to talk about this microclimate or, hey, we need to identify the species for people, you know, whatever it was. Um, and we would record those things and post them up in our private membership community. And just people would follow along and join in the mission. And then, and now it's to this point where, we we've retired the nomadic lifestyle and we transitioned into developing the hubs and we call this phase three of the program. So yeah, would it be correct to say you have a semi-nomadic lifestyle? Like you're not yeah. a, just <laughs> so you're still on the road, but not uh yeah, not sure. Uh yeah, this in this moment that I'm talking to you, we're actually technically speaking, we really have no home base because the property back there in the Midwest doesn't have a structure on it yet. We just sold our camper to transition into this. And I'm just doing this workshop before we head home and get all that sorted out. So you caught me in the middle here. <laughs> uh, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's very inspirational. Very, It's uh, just the energy just to get up and, and, and go. And five yeah. boys, 
uh, a husky and a pregnant wife, and uh, that, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, it. Just shows there's no excuse for people. Some people would have no, seen no. that as a like oh, I can't do it. Uh, no, my my kids have th- seen things most adults don't get to see their whole life, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that's uh, it is very inspirational. So you said you had a private members community. We do, yeah. That's so. TIAG is is a, an acronym for the initiative and the movement, right? But it's actually also a private membership community where we bring all of everything that we're doing into one place. Um, we're developing TIAG officially as a nonprofit and seeking 501c3 status so that we can begin doing permaculture designs collaboratively and events all under the context of of nonprofit activism. Um, we really just want to see that. We really just want to see culture change, right? We really just want to see a permaculture people, and so we're just rallying everything we can into this one fashion. That's that's that's, uh, that's fantastic. So, any advice for someone who was thinking of uh, who just got a PDC? You've obviously just been on the road, educated yourself, educated others. Any advice for someone who's just yeah. finished the PDC? What they should do? If, if they yeah, wanted- contact. Contact us. <laughs> people fresh out of a PDC is is kind of a, a target for us where we're trying to help those people off on the right foot. So we've developed income generating options for them if they want to do it professionally. We've also just got a digital resource library of free materials through the nonprofit to support them in their personal journey. Um, really, anybody that has come out of a PDC, we have something for them, whether that's just a conversation with us to get them kicking or it's a professional partnership. Oh, great stuff. And, and how would that work? So I've just done a PDC. Do you have to be in the States? Yeah. You have to... Oh, no. No, not at all. Yeah, just best way is just to contact us at, at support at havenpermaculture.com. Yeah. And that'll get you connected to my team. And then we'll we'll work with you from there based on what your inquiry is. Well, great stuff. And can you give us an example of what, what any of the models there look like? Sure, yeah. So So one way that we're working with designers right now is they come out of the PDC – um, we're all, we onboard them with what we call the journey program. The journey program is a TIAG community program. And inside the community, we broadcast live, actually designing real world permaculture properties. We do video streams with um, up to six different designers all together on Zoom. And we discuss the processes that we're running into, the difficulties we're experiencing. And we do that for three month segments. And then the next three months, we jump into the next property. Um, this one, this next one starts March 1st, and it's going to be in a um, broadcasting the details of a project on 38 acres in Southern Carolina. Great stuff. That's awesome to have that support. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll tie them into that and get them some education. And then we also provide the opportunity for them to get involved with that. Um, this is a little bit fresh. I'm kind of stumbling over my words here because we don't have it fine tuned yet. But the idea is we want to get these new fresh designers into an actual portfolio builder program. Um, a lot of the families that we come across in these events, you know, they they cling on to the idea, but it's expensive to not only design a property, but to actually implement the design of a property, unless you're doing it a little bit lower key. And we really want to see it thrive and be you know, very professional and pull out GIS software and get it done. Um, but the way that that we bridge that gap is we do what's called portfolio builders. So fresh designers that need to up their portfolio or, or acquire a skill we're providing a list of real world families that, that need a permaculture design through the nonprofit that these new designers can come and do and gain that extra climate experience and add these designs to their portfolio. They have the option of actually traveling out there if the family pays their travel for them and they'll do on-site assessment with us. Um, and then they'll get back into their own their own neck of the woods and continue remote design. That's great. Uh, 
sort of ties into what we're doing as well. Well, usually on a uh, on a bigger scale there. But we have a PDC to Pro program. So we've of course basically taken you from finish your PDC and learning digital design using Affinity, uh, building your website, and again just getting that first portfolio piece on the board on the web. So you have that Fantastic. sort of placeholder there. So that's for sale. PDCD Pro down below. <laughs> it's out now. Awesome. Uh, there's there's so much stuff. I, I I don't know where to go here with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta have me on again. We'll dive into a different aspect. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 yeah, I think ahead. the important thing is for anybody listening would be to go to tiagcommunity.com. That'll kind of connect you to all the different web of what we've got going on. That's great. And I, I'm fascinated by that journey. It's something I'd love to do myself. Is yeah. uh, just pack the kids <laughs> up and go, go and learn. You really should. There's people that need that. You know, that it, you'll find if you start really putting yourself out there, people just kind of get put in your path. It's just, yeah. it's needed right now. Definitely a big believer in that as well. The universe always provides. Absolutely. And so how, um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, how, how do you fund all this? Is, is it just from design fees and things like that? So as somebody who would look to do the same, basically is, is there multiple sources of income, YouTube channel, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So financially speaking, the, the we offer what's called the design package and then the design package finances the program where it gets us out there, gets us networking, and then we leave the area having acquired whatever it was that we did that while we were there, right? Um, I don't like to visit an area without making more connections. And so, you know, especially this might be good advice for anybody looking to do something similar. Once you go to a spot, go see the the local uh, community gardens, you know, go call the extension office, go, go network with every, anybody that you see around the area that's doing something similar and just have, you know, just out of nowhere, just start conversations with people that you see that are doing something that you want to be invested with. Um, and you'll find that making those connections and building rapport with people kind of funds more projects down the road. And a lot of what we do is, is not, it's not building funds. It's not generating funds. It's just effort that we put out there that has no return whatsoever. But then later on, you know, even a year down the road, sometimes we'll all of a sudden be contacted by somebody for about something that we did, you know, a year ago and they've been waiting for the right time to reach out and then they'll hire us for another permaculture design project um, or they'll get us out here for an event or whatever it may be. Great stuff. Uh, I, so you're putting it forward first and then you're reaping the wards down the line. That keeps you going. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you want to mention about tag? We're going to cover everything there. Um, yeah, sure. Um, one one important piece about this is that uh, you know we're we're kind of in a unique situation with Tyag where we're focused a lot on the family unit itself. Um, I think a lot of permaculture is is based in the idea of of nature and you know and following a regenerative aspect, but it can overlook how important it is that the family unit, our human family unit, moves forward and continues to to thrive. And so the people care aspect is a big part of what we're working on. And, and so any, but any families that, that have felt a little bit lost as of lately, the last few years that, that connect with us, generally we're able to line them up with a good path forward where we're able to, to kind of cultivate a sense of, of hope for them. And, and that I think is a missing element in so much of permaculture because people get overwhelmed with all the, the negative things that are going on. And so our focus is really, hey, let's, let's solve the family problems and let's get into you know a mode of personal development and growth so that we can look at the planet in the right way 
And then we can look at surplus in the right way. And then we can really stack those functions to be able to create a self-sufficient community. And so we do have a little bit of a ladder and an approach to things, but it's all based around the family. Yeah, I think that's really good. Uh, especially you could argue that the families were under attack recently. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So here's not so bad, but still, because uh, we you grow up with religion, you're, it's here, it's present. So I think that helps keep keep families together. Even though everybody Absolutely. doesn't practice, it's still, you're, you're brought up that way and it's sort of, uh, it helps helps keep that family together. Um, Jamin, it's been great chatting. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, likewise. It's me. That's fantastic. Uh, you've sort of you've blown me away with all that uh, all the stuff you're going. I need to go process it. And, uh, we'll, right, we'll, right. We'll definitely get you on for a Well, chat. you said we only had 45 minutes, so I had to just give you as much. Yeah, right? but it, it normally runs between 30 to 45 minutes. So with all that information, sure. you know, it's like, right, uh, sort of, it's like I think that's enough for the audience just to sort of absorb. They can go look at you. And then, uh, so we've got stuff there for beginner designers, current designers. No, it's, there's there's a lot of a lot of good value for people there. Um, definitely love your energy, love love what you're doing. Uh, just your attitude's great, you. and uh, sure. you're uh, definitely definitely good for permaculture anyway, and and uh, spreading the word. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been good being on here. Uh Jamin, thanks very much. Uh, Guys, that's been uh, the Permaculture Vine podcast. Uh, join us next week. And again, the PDCD Pro Info is in the description as well as all Jamin's links. Jamin, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.